Welcome back, everyone. This is a Bless You Boys Weekend Edition. I'm your host, Brandon Day. Um, I thought I'd get back at you guys this week and do a little show in two parts. Um, first, we're going to talk a little bit about the Tigers and kind of the uh, the intermittent, you know, not appearing to look like a major league team um, that goes on. Um, not coincidentally, every uh, every other day, um, depending on whether you either have Tyson Ross or Jordan Zimmerman pitching. Um, so we're going to talk about that, we'll talk a little bit about um, some of what we're seeing from the lineup, some of the holes in the roster right now that... Um, there just don't really seem to be a whole lot of answers for in the upper levels of the Tigers minor league system. Um, you know, there are options, but the Tigers just don't want to use them. So we're going to get into the Tigers. And then um, the second segment of this podcast, I will talk a little bit about um, what have been really, really positive returns, I think, almost across the board for the Tigers farm system and many of their top prospects. Um, so we'll take a look at um, what we're seeing from some of those guys, um, particularly the big three in Mize Manning and Alex Fiedo. Um some of the hitting performances that are going on. Jake Rogers um, heating up with the power at the plate. A um, little bit of a little bit of a breakout maybe underway for um, Gregory Soto and Anthony Castro both in the Erie Seawolves rotation. Um, there's a lot of positives actually going on in the Tigers farm system, and if things keep up this way, um, you'll see a lot of us um, arguing and yelling and screaming at the Tigers this offseason to start making some moves and begin um, progressing toward the building portion of the rebuild. Um, rather than simply letting things kind of fall away, um, trading trading Boyd away for God knows what they'll get, um, you know, letting Nick Castellanos walk and putting this team down another bat when the bats are the thing that the farm system lacks most, um, none of the, none of those moves are are probably going to make a lot of sense to me. But um, yeah, for the time being, um, things on the farm are good. So let's just start out and talk about the Tigers' last couple games and what we've been seeing out of them, um, and some of the issues that have been going on in the middle infield um, with the, the backup outfielder spot. Um, yeah, let's get into that. So we'll start with today. Um, I'm recording this on Sunday at about 6 p.m. Watched the Tigers game today. Uh, went for a nice ride on my bike outside because it's gorgeous outside, finally. Um, hit some balls at the driving range. Got a little outdoor time in. And then uh, came home and rewatched Matt Manning's outing against the Bowie Bay Sox um, down in Erie. Um, the Bowie Bay Sox want nothing to do with the Erie Seawolves rotation uh, anymore at this point. I think we can all be assured of that after seeing um, seeing them multiple times the past few weeks um, and getting just destroyed by both Mize and Manning and Alex Fiedo. Um, they probably uh, would, would like to head on home and, and try somewhere else. But um, so yeah, the Tigers... With a pretty stirring, somewhat stirring, comeback victory today on Sunday. Um, today, um, the hero was Brandon Dixon, who walked this one off with a three-run shot to right field in the bottom of the 10th inning. Um, I believe that's the Tigers' first walk-off win of the season. Um, anyway, you know, Brandon Dixon, you know, not a decent, or not a bad guy, you know, for the Tigers to have picked up and tried. Um, can play around the infield a little bit, um, though not at shortstop, um, probably not at third base, just doesn't really seem to have the arm strength. But, you know, he has hit in the minor leagues um, quite a bit and just hasn't really been able to figure out at the major league level. Um, I don't expect that to change, but not a bad guy for the Tigers to give a try to. Um, you know, he's about the same age as Nico Goodrum. You're kind of hoping to catch a guy who was just, you know, a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, maybe wasn't his previous organization's priority. Um, you know, th those are the kind of things you look for. I mean, that's, that's kind of what happened with Nico Goodrum. Um, you know, the, the twins had players they liked better in the middle infield. Um, Nico Goodrum ended up kind of getting bounced around because he does have some defensive liabilities. And despite the fact that he was a pretty productive hitter, um, you know, in the upper levels of the minors, you know, the twins just didn't feel like they had space for him. Um, you know, they went out and signed a utility man in Marwan Gonzalez, who is sort of like the prototype of what we would hope that um, that Nico Goodrum could turn into. Um, I'm not sure if he'll ever be the consistent, like, all-around defender that Marwan Gonzalez is. Um, Gonzalez is a guy who can play shortstop even, um, plays good defense, you know, in left field um, and at second base. You know, Nico Goodrum has some liabilities there, but he's actually, you know, got the potential to be as good or better an offensive player because he's got the speed advantage over Marwan Gonzalez. And has, has learned to kind of find those pitches to turn and pull. And especially from the left side of the plate, Nico Goodrum's power is is really quite good at this point. Um, so, you know, you know, Brandon Dixon, I don't know, you know, we don't need to make too much of a fuss about it. I don't expect him to be around for the rebuild, but um, but really nice to see him have a big moment. Um, the real story, though, today um, was two things. One, Spencer Turbull continues to be really good, and that is huge. That is a huge thing for the Tigers. 
because Spencer Turnbull coming even coming into the season was a guy that you know we kind of looked at as like yeah you know he he might be the first guy up from Toledo. Um, he's of an age where the Tigers need to start getting something out of him, but we still hadn't really seen him consistently command um, you know his fastballs in particular. And if you're looking at you know some of the preseason you know prospect rankings and such and seeing that you know Spencer Turnbull's you know 15th on this list or 19th or 20th on this list. You know, obviously they could just be wrong. There, there's that. Um, you know, not, a lot of us aren't much f- big fans of uh, MLB Pipeline in particular. But it really just come down came down to the fact that Spencer Turnbull had a lot of shoulder issues um, early in his minor league career. And then, you know, it just took a long time to really sort of refine his command to the point that you could put him out there in a major league game in a starting role and, and trust that he wasn't going to, you know, wasn't going to walk the world. Um, he sort of had a tendency to nibble quite a bit. And his stuff also has enough movement on it that it's actually not that easy to control it. Um, and th- those two things, he was sort of, you know, a little bit like a redlining, you know, racing car a lot of times. You'd see him come out in the early innings. He'd be already throwing 96, 97, um, the ball moving all over the place. But he would walk guys um, and dig himself into little holes and sometimes not get out of them. And, you know, you just never know when when that final, you know, sort of chinking of all the gears is going to gonna happen for a guy to where... You know, he just developed a little bit more command with his fastball and has been a little bit more consistent. Um, it seems maybe even more than anything is just that Spencer Turnbull now has the confidence to know that he can throw pitches in the zone and he's not necessarily going to get hit that hard. Um, so when he falls behind, he comes back in at guys a little bit more aggressively with those fastballs in particular. Um, and, th- and the other thing he's got, you know, he's got a sinker that moves, you know, down and in on right-handers really well. He can throw a high four-seamer that has a lot of ride um, and almost will look like a cutter. Um, and then he's got a cutter, and sometimes we'll, you know, it's almost indistinguishable from the four-seamer, and then other times it'll, it'll cut more and be more like 90, 91 miles per hour. But he can mix those three pitches, and he's just really hard to barrel up. Um, he misses bats with the fastballs to a decent degree, and then you know, he's refined the slider and the curveball to the point where you know, both of them are, are pretty solid out pitches. Um, you know, if he had to lean on both of those, I don't know for sure that it would hold up quite so well, but because he can go out there and throw, you know, 60 plus percent fastballs with this crazy fastball mix and not get hit hard, um, it just sets everything else up for him even better. So, you know, that's been a huge development. Um, Spencer Turnbull, you know, could be a guy that the Tigers have, you know, kind of in the middle of their rotation for a long time to come. Um, I'm not going to quite get too excited. You know, we need to see him stay healthy and kind of carry this through, um, deeper into the season, um, I'd like to see him, you know, kind of take on some more, you know, of the tougher lineups. Um, you know, some of the some of these AL Central lineups obviously aren't particularly good, but you know, the Royals have, you know, four or five pretty good hitters um, at this point. You know, you look at Whit Merrifield, um, Adalberto Mondesi um, is a really really good looking young player. Um, Hunter Dozier, they've still got Alex Gordon over there. Um, Gutierrez has swung the bat pretty well. Um, you know, there are some there are some hitters over there, some guys who are legitimate. So. You know, um, I think you can take away from this start that, you know, Spencer Turnbull is for real. I don't know that he's going to, you know, hold up as a number two starter, which is basically what he's looked like so far. Um, He's not walking guys. He's not giving up home runs. um, He's striking out plenty of guys. And we should be very, very excited, I think, in general. Um, You know, the the injury issues we've already seen with the rotation this season tell you just how important it is, you know, to have that kind of depth um, in your starting rotation. And it's a damn good thing they have Spencer Turnbull because what we've seen over the past, you know, two weeks is that when, you know, Turnbull or Boyd um, or to a degree Norris isn't pitching, you know, this team looks completely different. They look like, you know, a bottom bottom team, you know, the th- worst team in baseball possibly, you know, just getting smoked in these games. Um, Tyson Ross obviously provided a, an, another good example on Saturday, um, you know. Tyson Ross's wife had had their son this week. You know, I'm sure he's not getting a lot of sleep. Circumstances probably weren't great. But um, but by the same token, this is kind of how he's looked for much of the year so far. Um, you know, just going out there, you know, walking too many guys, um, can't pitch in the zone without getting hit hard. Um, you know, it's just, it looks ugly. And, you know, when he gets knocked out of the game early or when Zimmerman does, all of a sudden you're turned to, you know, middle relief in this bullpen and, you know, there just isn't much there. Um, we saw Drew Verhagen kind of surprisingly get DFA'd already this week. Um, that, you know, that 
and you never feel good about that for for a player, but um, that also kind of did my heart well because I have kind of been sick of Drew Verhagen for years now, and you know his brief run of success in 2018, you know, d- just seemed a little fluky to me. Um, you know, I don't know. It's possible that maybe Drew Verhagen has a little bit of arm trouble again. Um, he had some dead arm symptoms in the spring. Um, he's a he's a recoverer of the dreaded thoracic outlet syndrome surgery a couple years ago. And, you know, it may just be the end of the road for him. Um, we'll have to see. But, you know, you look around him and, you know, Daniel Stump has pitched okay. Buck Farmer, if you don't, you know, send him back out there for multiple innings, has been reasonably good. But there isn't a lot there. Um, and there isn't a whole lot in the, at the, you know, Toledo Mudhens, you know, bullpen either. Um, so far, you know, Zach Houston's been really, really rocky. Um and there, you know, some of the other guys that we thought we might have from there, you know, haven't panned out. Zach Reiniger's already been up and is up and is being tried, and does, just doesn't really seem to have anything to offer at the major league level. Um, that's been true for a couple of years now. And you know, they called up Eduardo Jimenez, who's probably been, well, been roughly the Hens' best reliever. But you know, he's a guy who will walk, you know, almost a batter per inning. Um, so that kind of tells you where we're at in terms of options. So there just isn't a whole lot there. And, you know, with Jordan Zimmerman down, um, you know, you look at that Mudhens starting staff and Kyle Funkhauser is down with a shoulder impingement and is probably going to be out for a month, I would bet, at least. Um, Bo Burrow's issues seems more like, you know, just kind of somewhat normal inflammation. Hopefully they'll give him a couple starts off and then he'll be back. But, you know, those are your two best options down there. Um, and, you know, and that's not great. Um, it's not great that both of them are hurt at this point either when you kind of need one of them. Um, the Tigers may well have just tried Ryan Carpenter anyway, and that appears to be kind of what's going to happen next Saturday. Um, but, you know, they've been lucky, you know, the, this past turn and this week coming up, um, to not really need a fifth man in their rotation. That's going to change next Saturday. They're going to need two guys um, for a doubleheader. And, there, you know, there just isn't a lot to offer. Like, I, you know, maybe you bring up, you know, Ryan Carpenter because he's on the 40-man. Maybe you add Tyler, Exan- Tyler, uh, excuse me, Tyler Alexander, um, who's been decent. Um, but, the, you know, the options are pretty bad. You know, you could bring up Matt Hall maybe. But in general, the starting rotation um, of the Mudhens is is pretty decimated as well. Um, And you see, you know, the Tigers have already gone through Michael Fulmer, Matt Moore, Jordan Zimmerman. Um, You know, if you thought Blaine Hardy could be a spot start option like he was last year, you know, Hardy's been hurt. Um, He should be back soon, but I don't imagine the Tigers are going to rush him into the rotation um, just coming back from a forearm strain. And with him not being stretched out at all, um, that would be foolish. So, you know, there there aren't a lot of options there. you know, unless the Tigers are going to be forced into moving someone up from Erie, which I really doubt is going to happen, they may have to go out and try to find someone um, that they can sign or make a make a low-level deal for, some kind of veteran starter, just to get them through. Um, Nick Ramirez, who's a you know I think 29 years old, um, career minor leaguer, lefty. You know, you're kind of like you know Kyle Lobstein type type guy. If you remember Kyle Lobstein. He might get a shot, but um, but the odds that any of these guys are going to work out, it, it, you know, just isn't very good. And so, I think you're going to see this pattern for quite a while, where you know when Boyd is on the mound, the Tigers look like a, a functional, you know, 500-looking team. Um, and the same is true when Spencer Turnbull's out there, and hopefully Daniel Norris can keep it going, because when he's out there, they they look like a functional team. Um, you know, when your starter pitches well, and you can go to the best options in the bullpen, and just kind of lean on, you know, Daniel Stump, Joe Jimenez. And Shane Green, you know, this team looks, you know, reasonably competent. But on other days, when you have to get into the bullpen early, um, you know, it's a disaster. And we're going to see some of those disasters as well. And the problem with that is that it's not so much that it matters that the Tigers lose these games or how badly they lose them. Um, The problem is that you can really end up taxing your pitching staff in ways that, you know, they can't really afford to have happen because they're already so depleted. So... I don't know that, you know, the Tigers have got their work cut out for themselves to find some answers. But um, but you watch these, you know, the, the two weekend games is, is sort of the perfect dichotomy of, of what we're going to be dealing with here for quite a while. Um, you know, and, and we just need to, you know, just be happy, I guess, that Spencer Turnbull is doing so well so far um, and that Daniel Norris has so far been pretty effective and looks like he's, you know, his command is rounding into some shape. So. Yeah, you know, as far as it goes, you know, the rotation's going to have those problems. The bullpen's going to have those problems. Um, let's take a look um, for the moment, you know, at some of the positional issues now, too. Uh, because, 
Kristen Stewart should be back this week, and that's going to add a lot to the lineup. Um, Ryan Gardenhire is going to be able to slot him in behind Miguel Cabrera, put him back out in left field, and get back to sort of using Nico Goodrum at first base, probably, to some degree. Um, maybe some second base. The X factor you know, for the offense right now has been Ronnie Rodriguez, who just cannot make an out right now, it seems like. Um, you know, Rodriguez is a guy who defensively, you know, has some challenges. Like, he has the, the physical... The physical tools to be a good, you know, defender. He's got a strong arm. Um, he's quick. He's got decent hands. Um, but he's just with that guy who just seems to either lose concentration or, or just, you know, make these these small mental mistakes. Um, you know, like throwing a ball away when he's on the ground. Um, I believe it was on Friday. You know, just 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 not necessarily making the smart play. Um, and trying to fit him, you know, somewhere into this roster isn't exactly a comfortable fit anywhere. Um, you know, especially, you know, when Josh Harrison comes back, I don't know if Ronnie Rodriguez is our everyday second baseman until then, but I would assume that he is because right now, you know, he, he's just hitting the cover off the ball and you can't, you can't get him out. Um, currently, you know, Ronnie Rodriguez is BABIP. Um, his batting average on balls in play is 375. Um, league average is, is closer to like 310. So you can expect that, you know, the current 333 average that he's rocking um, probably isn't going to hold up. But, um, you know, but he's drawing walks. That's the other thing about him right now, too, is, you know, Ronnie Rodriguez has a almost 9% walk rate. Um, you know, he's striking out 22% of the time. Those are both very good numbers. Um, and as long as he's making that kind of contact and the ball's dropping in, he's going to rack up, um, you know, quite a lot of hits. You know, there's some power there. Um, he made a few adjustments in his in his stance and his swing this offseason. Um, you know, he's always kind of had that windmill, you know, a little bit like Mike Avila's looking kind of setup where he's he's whirling the bat around, he's squatting, he's you know he's doing a little dance, getting his rhythm going. Um, and he you know he cut some of that down you know this offseason, but most importantly is that he's getting the bat to a better hitting position right you know as the pitcher goes into his delivery. You know, you'll see the bat much more straight up and down, um, and Ronnie's hands are lower. Both of those things are, are good things, in my opinion. Um, they're helping him stay inside the ball a little bit longer, um, keep the bat on plane. And, you know, and you, right now, you know, he's been one of your most productive offensive players. Um, so you can't, uh, you certainly can't take him out of the lineup. And, you know, if he's going to make some errors out there and bout to play here and there, well, the Tigers need the offense bad enough where I'm not going to be overly concerned. Um, obviously, Josh Harrison wasn't doing anything at the plate as well. Um, you know, when Josh Harrison comes back from, from the shoulder issue, which apparently has been plaguing him all season long so far and may explain why, you know, he hasn't been able to even put up sort of his career average numbers. Um, you know, at that point, I guess they'll have to decide. And if Ronnie's still hot, you know, they're going to have to keep playing him, but that's on Ronnie Rodriguez to really fight and, and keep this spot because it, you know, at 27 years old, um, not a guy who you can really, you know, feasibly play out at shortstop on a regular basis. There just isn't a huge role for him here unless, you know, he keeps keeps hitting like this. Um, you know, usually guys his age, you know, you start like, just like with Nico Goodrum, you start figuring like, eh, it's, it's never going to come around. Um, and it takes more proving when you're not a top prospect who people have been waiting on forever. So, you know, Ronnie's going to have to keep it up. But if he can, you know, that that's another bat in the, in the lineup um, that, that has been effective. And that leaves you kind of with just like Grayson Griner and, you know, Jacoby Jones in center field is really your weak links. Um... And one of the, you know, kind of one of the complaints I've been hearing quite a bit on Twitter and elsewhere is that, you know, why don't the Tigers, you know, this far into the rebuild, um, however, you've, however you want to, you know, sort of, you know, consider the time frame of the rebuild and when it started and how long it should take. And, you know, everybody's got different opinions about these things. Um, you know, the Tigers, you know, why, why don't the Tigers have, you know, better options in the upper minors to bring up? Well, I mean, the fact is that the Tigers do have better options um, right now. And if they wanted to try to compete this year and, you know, and try to win something, they have, you know, plenty of guys they could bring up and plug in. Um, it's just that it, it's probably not good for most of those guys, you know, player development. And it's probably not going to result in the Tigers, you know, competing reasonably for the division. So you, you, you just don't really have any great reason to call up Daz Cameron to play center field. Um, Jake Rogers could catch in the major leagues right now and probably without hit Grayson Griner or at least be somewhere, you know, comparable. Um, and Jake Rogers isn't, you know, any great shakes with the bat, but he has kind of cut down on his strikeouts, um, draws a lot of walks and can hit for some power. But more importantly, he's, you know, he's brilliant behind the plate. Um, that's what it really comes down to. But do you want to call him up right now? 
not really. He's still at Erie. Um, you'd, you'd like to give him, you know, most of this year to, to work on his work on his hitting, um, have as much time as possible catching Casey Mize and Matt Manning and Alex Fajardo as possible. Um, you'll see those guys start to trickle up into, you know, into the AAA level, I think, you know, by midseason, um, the way things are going. But you don't want to rush those guys. You know, Isaac Prates, you know, could, could probably play a pretty solid second base for you and, and be reasonably productive with the bat. But there just isn't any reason to do these things. Um, you know, I mean, you know, if Casey Mize was in this, this Tiger starting rotation right now, he's probably your third best guy. Um, you know, I, maybe the third best pitcher on the staff already. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not overstating that. Casey Mize, if you have watched um, his starts so far this season, yeah, he hasn't faced anybody particularly good. But you just need to, you just watch the command um, of all four, five pitches, really. Um, if you look at the four seam and the two seam. You know, he's, he's ready, and he could handle Major League hitters right now. I'm, I'm perfectly convinced of that fact. But you don't have any reason to start the clock on him that early. Um, this season for Casey Mize is about letting him kind of develop, uh, you know, get used to the pro lifestyle, pitching every fifth day, um, the, the kind of travel obligations that, that go along with it, um, trying to prepare yourself for those long seasons in that way. Um, that's, that's what this season's about. He needs this time. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing the Tigers bring him up at the end of the year, but the idea that you should bring him or Manning up and just throw him into the rotation right now because there's such a glaring need doesn't make any sense. Um, the, the Tigers have, you know, there are other routes the Tigers can go to find someone who can at least, you know, stand in there and not be a complete gas can. Um, whether or not, the, you know, Al Avila and the Tigers front office are capable of finding those options and making that happen is another story. And I certainly am not one of those who is a particularly big fan of the Tigers front office. But, um, but they are doing the right thing by not rushing these guys, and I think we're going to have to give them some time on that front. So overall, you know, where we are is, you know, every three days you can look for the Tigers to be, you know, a reasonably watchable team um, when they have one of their three, you know, legitimate starting pitchers going out there. And I would just try to avoid those Tyson Ross starts right now. And then we'll just see, you know, what they can come up with um, to, to take that fifth spot in the rotation. Maybe Zimmerman can make it back um, before they have to use too many, you know, spot starts from someone in the in the minor leagues. Um, that's possible. I don't know if that's going to be particularly helpful. Um, the way Jordan Zimmerman, you know, has, has kind of pitched this year, you know, got off to a decent start like he usually does, but um, is looking, you know, pretty eminently hittable again. So, you know... Unfortunately, that's that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, it'll be nice to have Kristen Stewart back in that lineup, um, especially if you've got him in there with Ronnie Rodriguez going good. Um, Miguel Cabrera's hitting the ball hard. Um, we still haven't seen quite the home run power. Um, Miguel Cabrera had some comments on that, and let's uh, let's kind of delve into that for a second because I wasn't real thrilled. Um, wasn't real thrilled with Miguel Cabrera's comments the other day um, about his teammates, about you know who's hitting behind him in the in the order. Um, but let's take a look at what he actually said. Um, let's see. These comments were in a, let's give proper credit here, um, a Detroit Free Press article by um, Chris Nelson. And, you know, basically the, the reporters were asking Miguel Cabrera about the lack of home run power. Um, he's only hit one so far. Um, he is batting 300 again, um, hitting the ball very hard. Um, looks like he's, he's coming around, but we still haven't, um, you know, we've been saying that for a few weeks and we really haven't seen him driving the ball in the air all that much, which is really what it comes down to. We all know that Miguel Cabrera hits the ball plenty hard, that he doesn't strike out that much. Um, although the strikeouts have been up a little bit this year. Um, but what Cabrera said was, Hey, people worry about what, you know, home runs are coming when they're coming. I don't worry about the home runs. I worry about getting my job done. You know, the fans, everyone need to understand baseball first. After that, if they need to worry about something, they can worry, but they don't need to worry about power. Um, and he went on to kind of say, you know, to kind of pin some of this on the fact that he doesn't really have anybody hitting behind him. You know, Prince Fielder, he said, you know, he's hitting behind me right now. That's a big difference, too. How am I going to hit 40 home runs in the past? Um, no, it doesn't explain everything because you're still not driving the ball in the air, even when you have very easily hittable pitches um, to drive. Um, you know, and honestly, that's that's just some crap to kind of throw Nico Goodrum, who's largely been hitting behind him, and Kristen Stewart under the bus that way. Um, I don't like that at all, honestly. And the other part of this is that, you know, it's it's been shown that lineup protection is, is very overrated. You know, I mean, there's probably some effect to not having a, a strong bat behind you and people being able to pitch you the way they want to pitch you and, you know, not being afraid you know, that if they walk you, you're going to come around to score on a home run. 
Um, but, you know, that's kind of a hoary old cliche in a lot of ways. You know, there really hasn't, isn't much, you know, data to back that impression up. And, you know, more to the point, like, it just didn't need to be said. You know, um, do your job, you know. I'm not the guy who's going to be screaming at Miguel Cabrera because, oh, you're making $32 million a year and blah, 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 blah. We all know the drill. Um, you know, the Tigers got plenty of value out of Miguel Cabrera when they weren't paying him full value for what he was worth. Uh, for the next, you know, four or five years where Miguel Cabrera is going to make, you know, in excess of $150 million and probably is going to be, you know, if he's healthy, a guy who, yeah, hits 300 and maybe hits 15, 20 home runs a year and, you know, drives in a lot of runs, but, you know, isn't anywhere near, you know, worth what, um, what the Tigers are paying him. You know, I mean, on the open market right now, Miguel Cabrera would probably get one-year deals for, you know, five or six million dollars. So, you know, he just shouldn't say these things. You know, I know he's frustrated, but Miguel Cabrera has a long history of being, you know, pretty shitty with the media, you know, in circumstances where all the fault is his. Um, you know, he still holds a grudge, you know, against Detroit beat, beat writers in general for the, for the way things were covered back when he, you know, went on his drunken rampage and issued the bomb threat, um, you know, threatened to kill himself in front of police officers, you know, on a drunken bender in Florida back in, what, 2011. Um, we can go back to the incident with his wife where the two of them got into some kind of a physical alter altercation. Um, you know, he's always kind of seemed to have a chip on his shoulder because the press reported those things, but he did those things. Uh, and the same thing is going on with the, you know, the fight over alimony payments to his mistress um, and the kids he had with her. You know, he doesn't like this stuff talked about. And well, you know, that's fine. But that's just, you know, that's a part of being a superstar you know, athlete who's paid this kind of money, um, who doesn't, you know, give a lot of quotes and interviews in general, and so tends to get talked about, one, when he does something great, and two, when he's screwing up off the field. Um, the, you know, those have kind of been the, the two main threads of Miguel's, you know, Miguel Cabrera's co career, um, as far as it, you know, comes down through the media. And, you know, he seems to hold kind of a bit of a grudge like that. But, you know, to come out and say, like, oh, you know, when I had Johnny Peralta hitting behind me, you know, things were so much easier for me. And now, you know, I've got Nico Goodrum and, oh, Kristen Stewart, like these, you know, these young bums who don't know what they're doing. Um, it's just some bullshit. You know, it didn't need to be said. And it just kind of, you know, it's just another kind of kind of nail in the coffin as far as, you know, people's um, people's appreciation for Miguel Cabrera as a, as a person. Um, you know, the guy's a lot of fun on the baseball field. He's been, you know, the, the best hitter I've ever seen in the Tigers uniform and one of the best, you know, probably all time. Um, but, you know, he's he's obviously a deeply flawed individual, too. And, you know, sometimes you take the good with the bad. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think very much of those comments. And I don't really think, um, you know, the, the journalists and the fans, you know, need to kind of, you know, take bear the brunt of his, his ire for his own failings. Um, you know, Cabrera's got to hit for some power. He's got to do a little bit better at the plate. And, you know, I expect he will. Uh, but he just has no call to, you know, to get salty and start talking about how, you know, the problem is the team around him. Um, so, you know, take that how you will. Um, I don't bother getting mad about these things or, you know, or, you know, thinking differently about Miguel Cabrera than I ever have. You know, there's a lot of baseball players who aren't necessarily great dudes off the field. And, you know. That's, that's just kind of the way it goes, um, and we all kind of know it, and we tend to stick up for our own. We tend to point out the failings of, you know, star players or, or players in general on other teams, um, but, you know, our own guys aren't without fault, and Miguel Cabrera certainly has plenty of faults. So, you know, we'll just see how, how things go. You know, if Miguel Cabrera stays healthy, I'm not terribly worried um, about his production. You know, I think the balls will start flying out of the park. He'll start getting the, getting the ball up in the air a little bit more. Um, as the weather warms up and he gets into more of a groove, but, um, but you just never know, you know, he could get hurt tomorrow. Um, you know, at this point in his career, um, you know, whatever you get, you know, you, you kind of just have to take and, you know, as, as for what it is, because the expectations aren't going to be able to line up at all anymore with the contract. And we all, we all know this, we all knew it going in. There's no reason to get super frustrated now. Um, you know, it's just not pleasant to watch in the field and not real pleasant to hear a whole bunch of excuses about from the player himself. <clears throat> anyway, all right, let's take a little break. Um, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what's been going on down on the farm system because it's very promising. Um, I'm very excited. I watched Manning start, as I said, before, uh, before jumping on the air here and, um, I'm quite aroused. So. And I'm still aroused. So we'll talk about that. Um, throw you to a little break and we'll be right back.
let's take a look now um, at some of the action that's gone on within the Tigers farm system over the past week because um, there's just been a lot, a lot to like. Um, I watched Matt Manning pitch earlier today against the Bowie Bay Sox. Um, gave up three hits over seven innings, struck out nine, um, walked just one, um, looked absolutely dominant again. Um, Matt, Matt's fastball command continues to progress. Um, he's locating the fastball down um, at the bottom of the zone, taking it upstairs on people still, um, locating it pretty well. He'll still lose a fastball here and there to the arm side. Um, but really, you know, Matt's, Matt Manning's fastball command has taken a huge, huge stride from where he was um, a year ago. And he just lo- he looks very good. I mean, I'm pretty convinced that Matt Manning could come up right now and pitch in the major leagues and do just fine. Um, I don't know if I'd want him starting necessarily or going through a lineup, you know, multiple times. But he'd be effective right now. That fastball is just a damn monster, guys. Um, he is just really casually, easily sitting 95, 96 miles per hour. Um, he's running it up 97, 98 when he wants to. Again, all with, with very little visible effort. Um, and that ease of delivery really speaks to why a lot of us believe that Matt Manning's command is just going to keep getting better. And that overall he has the highest ceiling of anyone in the Tigers farm system. Um, he had good control of his curveball today. Um, he was dropping in nasty 12 to 6 hammers on people. Um, the changeup, which we've seen a lot of improvement in um, since late last season, uh, it's basically as soon as he got to Erie, um, we started seeing a lot better um, changeup. And I haven't really heard anything to explain whether or not he, he made some adjustments with his grip um, or if it was just a matter of repetitions. Um, you know, Matt Manning is still very inexperienced compared to. Um, most of the starting pitchers in the upper minors of the Tiger system. And, you know, he's just, I think he just turned 22. Um, you know, and, and he also didn't, you know, didn't spend his entire high school career, you know, focusing on baseball and on being a pitcher. Um, and so, and I think you're just seeing that, you know, that that workload um, and, and getting all those repetitions under his belt is, is really been enough. Um, and, and at this point, it's it's starting to come together for him pretty well. Uh, because that changeup is is moving quite a bit horizontally. Um, it's dropping off the table. It looks a lot like the fastball coming out of his hand. Um, he's doing a much better job than he did when I saw him um, with West Michigan about this time last year of maintaining his arm speed and not um, not giving the pitch away. And he's got three-plus offerings right now. And, and honestly, the fastball is probably double-plus, guys. I mean, it's a damn monster fastball, I'm telling you. And, um, and the extension that he gets, you know, makes everything play up for him. And so, you know, his 96, 97 probably looks a lot more like 98, 99 with life to these guys. And I can tell you the Bowie Bay Sox and probably the Altoona Curve um, both want nothing more to do with this eerie rotation this year because Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Alex Faito have just owned those guys um, the past couple weeks. And, you know, we don't need to talk a whole lot about Casey Mize, but, um, you know, having seen a couple of Casey Mize's starts, he hasn't even had, you know, particularly tight fastball command the way I saw um, from him last year with Auburn. Um, and yet he's not having any trouble. He's just got, you know, he's just got too much to offer. That splitter is nasty. The, you know, kind of rebuilt slider with more depth. Um, you know, that, that pitch looks great. The cutter looks great. And maybe my one concern about Casey Myers, well, I guess maybe two concerns when we drafted him, was just how lively that fastball was going to be um, and whether or not, you know, a bit of a, a high effort delivery was going to um, was going to allow him to, you know, kind of stay healthy and, you know, throw hard and be consistent for, for the long term. Uh, on that second score, I still have some concerns. And it's part of the reason why, you know, when Casey Mize is ready, and I don't think, you know, he needs to to go much, much more than this time next year. I mean, within a calendar year, Casey Mize is going to be very, very ready to pitch in the major leagues. And I don't think the Tigers should slow play him. Um, you know, you can't just leave starting pitcher or pitchers in general in the minor leagues when they're clearly major league ready. Um, you know, especially, you know, Casey Mize isn't Vladimir Grove Jr. where you've got a 19-year-old who you're hoping to control until that player is, you know, 32 and get as much out of him. Um, you know, Casey Mize is already, you know, t- 23, I think, years old. You know, you don't necessarily expect that he's going to be, you know, whatever his ceiling is, you don't expect him to be there seven or eight years down the road. So you don't have to concern yourself so much with controlling his service time or anything like that. And with pitchers, I just wouldn't anyway, because the injury risk is always too high. If a guy is, is good enough to be good in the major leagues, he, he needs to pitch in the major leagues. And so, you know, I don't know if the Tigers will decide next year, you know, to to let Casey Mize compete for a job in spring training. Um, they might say that they are and kind of let him. 
uh, and then kind of wait on him through April and try to get that extra year of service time out of him by not calling him up until, you know, sometime in May. But as long as he stays healthy, guys, um, he and Matt Manning both are going to be ready to pitch in the majors next year, and they're both probably going to be ready to do pretty well. So um, there's a lot to be pretty excited about there um, as far as, as having those two guys ready to come up. Uh, what that means for the timetable of the rebuild, um, we'll have to see because the Tigers still need more bats, to, you know, more position players to come up and be effective. And they don't really have a whole ton to offer on that score. Um, but, you know, at the Major League level, you should have Kristen Stewart, um, Daz Cameron in center field. Maybe Jamer Candelario at either third or, or second base. Um, you're still going to have Maggie at first. You've got Griner um, behind the plate, and I would expect that Jake Rogers will be up um, next year and be splitting time with Griner. So you know you've got the same problem that we've that we've been saying um, you know for two years now, which is that you just don't really have the middle infielders of the future, uh, and you don't really have you know an, that extra power bat because presumably Nick Castellanos is going bye bye. And that leaves you with a, a real gap in the lineup um, to look at next year. Whereas, you know, I mean, if you kept Boyd and, you know, you add Mize and Manning into that rotation sometime early next year and you've got arms like, you know, Bo Burrows, um, Alex Baedo, possibly Spencer Turnbull, you know, there's the makings of a, of a pretty good pitching staff, um, a pretty good young pitching staff right there. Um, I think the Tigers would still, you know, consider signing another veteran or two for a one-year deal. Um, you know, kind of give them a role like that. Um, Jordan Zimmerman will be in his final year of his contract, blessedly, finally. And, um, you know, you're probably going to pitch him just because of what he's paid. Um, but, you know, you can expect, you know, that there's going to be attrition in the starting rotation next year, just like there is this year. And as long as Casey Mize and Matt Manning are healthy, those are the two guys who you're going to want um, coming up and, and taking those spots next year. And as a result, if all goes according to plan the rest of the season, you have to think that the Tigers should be getting ready to spend a little money on a bat this offseason. Hopefully they'll hit on a bat or two in this draft um, coming up in mid-June. And, you know, they're going to have Nick Castellanos and Shane Green to trade. Um, you know, they may well decide to trade Matt Boyd, but as I've said repeatedly, like, I just think that's a terrible idea unless you're getting, like, a Chris Sale-type package for him. Because right now... You know, Matt Boyd is the most valuable pitcher in baseball um, per Fangraphs war and doesn't really show any signs of slowing down. Like, I, I don't know that I, I buy Matt Boyd as a top, you know, 10 pitcher in baseball right yet. Um, we're going to have to let that play out a little bit longer. But what he's done is, is very legitimate. And it's not just the fact that he's, you know, that he's pitched against the Central a bunch and all this and he's pitched against these bad lineups. If he keeps pitching the, the, with the way that we've seen so far, He's going to do fine against just about everybody. Um, and so you're looking at a, you know, a pretty high-end pitcher with a lot of cheap years of control left. And you can't trade a guy like that away without getting an absolute haul. Um, so hopefully, you know, the Tigers can float him and see, you know, if, if someone's willing to offer that. But they've got to hold out for a lot. Um, you know, I, a lot of people will say, you know, yeah, but look what happened to Fulmer. You've got to trade Boyd while he's at his peak um, in case he gets hurt. For me, the fact that Matt Boyd might get hurt is the exact reason why you hang on to all these pitchers. Because any of them might get hurt. Casey Myers might get hurt. Matt Manning might get hurt. Spencer Turnbull could get hurt. Um, and, you know, if you're going to build a homegrown pitching staff, you need all those guys. You need a lot of depth. And, you know, for my money, since the Tigers have already decided to go this route, they need to stick with it and, you know, spend their money on free agent position players. And, you know, hopefully make a low-level trade and find, you know, find a diamond in the rough somewhere offensively, um, the way they did with Nico Goodrum, and just put the, you know, and just try to put together a solid, deep lineup where you don't really have any holes in the lineup and the team is reasonably strong defensively. Um, if you can do that and you get your young pitchers in, you probably are a 500 team or pretty close to it. And then you're just looking at, you know, how do we make those final moves to, you know, to get a star in there to hit in the middle of the lineup, um, you know, that sort of thing. You're into the point where you're you're looking to make those those finishing moves to turn yourself into a legitimate contender. And we might find ourselves there by the end of next season if the Tigers are aggressive as I think they should be. Um, but there's still a long way to go in the 2019 season, and all these guys have to stay healthy and continue on the track that they're on. Um, Everybody knows Mize and Manning are going to be good. So let's take a look now for a second at Alex Fiedo because I've noticed a couple things about Alex Fiedo this year that have been very encouraging. Um, 
coming out of college, like my main criticism of Fajardo was that in his delivery, he doesn't get much of a stride. He's sort of a, a stiff-legged guy. Um, he's 6'5", probably like 230. So he's a, he's a big cat who can throw hard, but he doesn't drive off the mound particularly well. He sort of just, you know, just sort of like folds his right leg and, and falls off the mound. And he has this tendency, or has, you know, ever since we watched him at the University of Florida, of sort of hunching his shoulders in as he begins his delivery. He sort of coils himself inward. Um, and then when he, at, at front foot strike, when his arm starts to come up, he has to kind of throw the, those shoulders back to open everything up. And a lot of times it would lead to a lot of arm lag, um, which isn't, you know, which isn't good, you know, both mechanically for your shoulder, but also force his right arm to kind of flatten out. And what I mean by flatten out is that, I mean, he would be pitching with his arm much closer to parallel to the ground than you'd like to see. And that arm action produces a, a running fastball that doesn't really have much sink and it doesn't have much rise. It just sort of like moves horizontally across the plate. And because Fajardo would, when he, when he makes that move is often letting his arm, you know, kind of lag behind and is sort of late. Um, he's unable to throw on a downhill plane. Like he isn't able to get his arm up and throwing down to the bottom of the zone. And so what you'd see a lot, um, especially last year when he was getting hammered at Erie and just giving up home runs in by bunches in every game, um, that was sort of the point of, of last season where everybody kind of kind of started to wince and you know a lot of evaluators started to drop Alex Fido down in their rankings. Um, you know, for a lot of people, he was you know fourth or fifth on the Tigers farm system ranking last year and coming into this season a lot of people had him closer to like 10th or 12th as a result of of seeing how things went for him when he went up to double a and started giving up all those missiles but a lot of that to me and a lot of them were off the fastball and a lot of that is just because he couldn't get the ball down and he was throwing a very flat fastball that came out on the same line and stayed on it and simply tailed across the plate and in on right handers um that short stride that he has it isn't bad in terms of command because there there isn't a lot of sort of moving parts to go wrong. Um, his balance is pretty good, and so he tends tended to repeat that delivery pretty well. But the fastball just wasn't going to work, and it was hard for him to spot the fastball to all you know quadrants of the plate out of that delivery. And what I've seen so far this year is that he's standing up straighter, and he's getting his arm up and staying behind the ball a little bit more and getting more downward plane on the fastball especially. Um, I'm going to part, post an article about this um, on Monday, um, and there's a few gifts where you can hopefully get an idea. There wasn't really much footage. Um, because minor league TV um, doesn't keep their archives for the previous season, I couldn't go back to 2018 and cut a bunch of gifts of how it looked when it was going wrong. I had to, had to rely on some scouting video from a different angle. But the gifts I cut, you should be able to see that when he's throwing the ball downhill toward the bottom of the zone, he gets really nice two-plane life on it. Um, you know, it's it's moving on a downward plane and it's also getting that late tail in on right-handers and away from left-handers. And I think that, you know, if he can keep that up, that's gonna give him a lot, you know, better fastball overall and keep him from getting hit so hard. Because not only do you have the two-plane life on the fastball at that point, but it also pairs better with the way his changeup and his slider play, because both of them go pretty straight down. Um, you know, the changeup has some fade to the arm side. Um, his slider will, you know, will cut a little bit to his glove side, but they're pretty 12-6. Like, there's a lot of depth on those pitches. And so by throwing the fastball at the bottom of the zone, he can now throw that to the same point on, on the same line that he's throwing the slider and the changeup, and all three move in different directions. Um, and, that, and it just all seems to kind of tunnel and play together a little better for him that way. Um, so I was very encouraged by some of the starts we've seen from Fajardo this year on that on that score. Um, you know, he's a guy who's got at least average control already. Um, we know he has a pretty good slider. Um, you know, he doesn't have the extension you'd like to see, even even throwing downhill like this and, and staying back behind the ball a little better and getting a little bit better arm slot for himself. He's still not a guy who drives way down the mound and is going to have his fastball play up. And so I think having that life on it um, and, and, that, and that sort of deception of all three pitches coming out on the same target line is going to be better for him in the long term because he just doesn't have an overpowering fastball. Um, you know, he's got some of the velocity back um, after, after kind of being like 89-90 for a lot of the early part last season. He's back up throwing 92-93, um, hitting 94 occasionally. And that's fine, and that can play, even though, you know, probably in the end, I still think Alex Faito is going to be a guy who's probably better off as a reliever than a starter. 
Um, but the delivery changes he made were ver are very promising. And he is still, you know, he's a big guy. He's still young. Um, there's still a chance that he could pick up another tick or two in velocity on his fastball as well. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, kind of work on his on his legs and his hips and, and try to develop a little bit more flexibility and mobility in his joints, um, especially in his hips, because he is sort of stiff um, and kind of rocks onto a front leg stilt. And uh, and sometimes what you do when, you, when you're pitching that way is you, it sort of blocks you from getting up onto your front leg to where you can throw down. Um, there's still a little bit of that spine tilt um, back towards second base where it makes it hard to, to overcome that and throw downhill. So I've just been very encouraged by, by that little change in Fido's delivery. Um, I, th I thought he looked really good the last couple outings that I've seen him. And he's going to pitch on Monday, and we'll kind, of, uh, we'll kind of take a look then and see if he still kind of got this move dialed in. But, um, but overall, you know, that, that's a good sign. And that gives you three starters that you're kind of, you know, you're kind of excited about, um, especially Manning and, and Mize. But, you know, Fajardo, if he can keep taking some strides this year, this is a guy who was a big-time pitcher in college and pitched under pressure, was obviously the type of dude who, you know, wanted the ball and was excited about pitching in big games and, and did so successfully. Um, so there's still plenty to like there. So, uh, you know, I think some of the... Some of the fears um, that came out last season, I think, have been allayed a little bit so far by what we've seen from Fayetto in the early going, and people can uh, can be excited to see how he develops the rest of this season. And beyond, you know, the big three there, um, we should also mention Anthony Castro and Gregory Soto, um, who are both off to really nice starts since being promoted to Erie, and are taking up the fourth and fifth spot in that rotation. Um, both of those two guys, you know, like like Castro has long been thought, you know, to have better potential as a starter just because he's got better control than Gregory Soto does. Um, but I've also heard from a few people, and I haven't gotten to see Anthony Castro start yet. Um, I might hopefully take a look later on this week and, and get a look at him. But, um, but that he's changed his pitch mix a little bit, and so far he's been very successful. Um, you know, in just in just a couple starts, but has been throwing the ball really well. And Gregory Soto, who's a hard-throwing lefty, who, you know, has tended to be very wild, um, you know, is a guy who will kind of dial it in for an inning or two and then just, just you know, just completely lose the plot, start, you know, issuing four-pitch walks and that sort of thing. Um, so far, he hasn't been walking hardly anybody. Um, I, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to see him yet either. Um, but he's a, he's a guy who, from the left side, can throw 95 with a lot of life on it. Um, tends to blow people away, especially at the you know at the upper A and double A levels. Um, it's it's plenty enough fastball to play, and you know he's got a pretty good like slurvy breaking ball um, when he's commanding it. And the reports I've heard so far is that he's ha he's actually you know made some some minor strides in his command. And so, you know th those two guys probably aren't people that you're going to depend on to start eventually. They both still kind of tend to toward a relief profile, but you know, um, you know, it's nice to see them having success early on at double A and we'll kind of track their progress. Um, you know, with prospects like that, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of tend to pigeonhole them a little bit after a while when they haven't made any progress. Um, when things get stagnant, you know, when you're not getting better, basically you're getting worse um, in terms of how, how people evaluate prospects. And both of them have kind of gone through that over the past year where they didn't really make any steps um, and build on their previous season success in 2018. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily preclude them from doing so this season. Um, but that does kind of explain why you saw, you know, very little talk or hype about either one of those guys coming into the season. But, um, but if they can keep this up, and, you know, they've made substantive changes that, that hold up over the course of, you know, a couple months now, you'll see, um, you'll see those guys be reevaluated and people will start posting them, you know, putting them into little sleeper lists, um, you know, as guys who maybe you should keep an eye on that we aren't really thinking too much about. So those are both good signs as well. Um, and you can add to that Tariq Skubal, who's um, another hard-throwing lefty at um, uh, High A Lakeland. Um, he's another guy who's, you know, off to a pretty nice start, um, has impressed a lot of people, had one start where he kind of just blew up and couldn't locate anything. Um, still has some kind of command issues, and, and um, you know, we'll have to see, you know, how durable Skubal can be. Um, he, um, I believe in his junior year, he went down with Tommy John surgery. Um, and, you know, he, he, at that point, he was on a lot of people's radars. And, you know, having an injury like that in your junior year is just terrible for a college pitcher. Um, he came back out um, in his senior season and kind of struggled early on. But the Tigers, you know, I'm sure were kind of betting on 
the fact that, you know, this guy may well get it back, uh, and it might just take a little bit of time. Um, guys don't generally come right back from Tommy John surgery in a year and pitch their best ball. So the Tigers placed a bit of a bet on him, um, you know, and took him in the ninth round as a college senior. And, you know, so far he's been a strikeout machine. Um, he's not walking very many guys. He's not giving up much hard contact. Um, he's got a pretty blazing hot fastball from a, a nice high arm slot with some sink. Um, pretty pretty solid looking breaking ball and change up that just need, you know, refinements. Um, so, you know, th- that's another guy that the Tigers, you know, that have in their in their back pocket who I think people are going to hear a lot from. And Scooble will probably be up to Erie, I would imagine, sometime midseason. Um, around the same time you see, you know, one of the big three start to get promoted. Um, I imagine that, that some of those promotions probably won't start to happen until certainly after the draft, but maybe even like after the all-star break, um, the Tigers will probably try to slow play those things a little bit. Um, they're going to want to manage guys innings and not, you know, m- maybe even give, you know, Manning and Mize like some kind of a mid-season break of a few weeks and then try to get them set back up to where, you know, their innings counts aren't so high by late August that if the Tigers want to bring them up and give them sort of a, you know, congratulatory, hey, you had a great season, here's your first start in the big leagues, kid, Um, kind of a shot, you know, that they can do that and not have to worry too much about, um, you know, their durability or pushing them too far. So, you know, as far as pitching goes, you know, there's a good bit of it in the minor leagues, and I think people can feel pretty good about that. Um... Obviously, the problem is, you know, position players. But um, but so far, you know, Daz Cameron's been doing well. Um, you know, he's had some bad games, but I've also seen him hit the ball hard and not be rewarded quite a bit. Um, I've seen quite a few of Toledo's games so far. Um, he homered again today. That was his fourth, I believe, on the year. Um, he's drawing walks. Um, the strikeouts aren't anything, you know, to be particularly worried about. So he's looking good. Um, Willie Castro, who's a switch-hitting shortstop the Tigers got from Leonis Martin last year, um, he's been hitting reasonably well so far at Toledo too. Um, he's a good defender. He should be able to play, you know, solid average major league defense at the shortstop position, I believe. And, you know, after, you know, a little bit of time at Toledo last year and a full season this year, I would have to think that Willie Castro is going to be ready for his shot in 2020. Um, if he's not, there's going to be some questions as to why not, um, based on the, the path he's on. But he's another guy who, you know, could end up being a piece, um, but doesn't look at all like a guy who's going to be a, you know, a four or five war player um, further down the road. Um, it's possible, he, you know, he could develop. He's still young. I believe he's about to turn 22 as well. So, you know, the, the Tigers may, the Tigers have something there, but they may have more than they think they do. And it might just take a little bit of time um, at the major league level to settle in. And we'll just have to see if they decide to kind of trust him next year um, or whether or not they sort of keep him in the minor leagues, sign yet another kind of mediocre veteran shortstop option, and then let Willie Castro sort of force that player out um, next year if he's playing well. Um, We'll see how that goes. Um, Jake Rogers hit another home run today. Um, He had two home runs on Friday. Um, I believe he's at five on the season. Um, Continues to draw a lot of walks. Um, basically, you know, like his profile as a hitter is sort of Alex Avila-ish. Um, you know, he's probably going to strike out a good bit at the major league level, um, but he should draw walks. Um, he, he has pretty good um, judgment of, you know, of where a pitch is headed. Still struggles a little bit to distinguish between pitches um, as far as, you know, judging spin out of the hand, um, recognizing off-speed pitches. Some of those things still need work, um, but... He's so good defensively, and catchers, you know, wear out so fast that I would really, really hate to see the Tigers slow play him much and and kind of leave him at Toledo all next year in what will be his age 25 season when he's probably going to be the best guy to handle your pitching staff already. So, you know, another another decision that's going to be, you know, based on how he finishes the season, um, what goes on the next five months, I would expect that Jake Rogers... We'll be up, as we said, you know, sometime middle of this year, and we'll start getting a little better idea of, you know, how he looks at Toledo. But, um, you know, he's tinkered a lot with his swing. Um, Jake Rogers, you know, kind of has some mechanical flaws in his swing. He's got a big leg kick, um, and in the past, that kick sort of sort of led him to, like, tilt his shoulders. Um, you know, it would sort of, like, throw him off balance and, and get his head moving. You want your head to be pretty still, especially if you're a guy who's got sort of a busy lower half in his swing. Um, he's made some strides, I think, in that on that front so far this season. Um, he's keeping his hands a little more still, and he's got them lower. Um, and it just looks like it has him on a little bit better bat path. Um, he just does not have, 
you know, great bat to ball skills to where he's going to hit for high average and, you know, um, get down in counts and slap ground balls through the infield all over the place and then, you know, hit for power early in counts, all that sort of thing. Um, he's going to be a guy who drives, draws walks and hits the ball hard when he does make contact, but probably strikes out a lot. Uh, but you take a look at, you know, the catcher position as a whole around Major League Baseball, and there just aren't that many good, um, good hitting catchers who are also good defenders out there. And so, you know, it'd be nice if Jake Rogers could be at least a league average hitter overall um, compared against all hitters and not just catchers. Um, that is probably his ceiling, though, and I wouldn't really, I wouldn't necessarily expect uh, expect it to come around that far. Um, but he should be, you know, should be usable. And if you're going to have a, a position where you don't have a lot of bat, um, catcher for me is is the one. Um, you know, people used to say shortstop or center field, but you look around Major League Baseball and shortstops are hitting the freaking cover off the ball everywhere. Um, it seems like, you know, probably 25 out of 30 teams have a good hitting shortstop who can also play the position. And the same is true in center field. Um, there's a lot more good athletes out there who are running you know, well enough to play center field. Um, teams are, are better about, you know, positioning in order to kind of help those guys overcome any sort of, you know, slight physical liability. And so they're getting guys out there who can hit, um, who steal bases, hit for power, and still can play you a solid center field. And the Tigers are going to need that. And, you know, I think Daz Cameron very well may be able to provide that. Um, you know, the question again, it's just going to keep coming back to shortstop and second base. Like, where do we find you know, above average bats and guys who can defend both of those positions at least at an average level. Um, and that's that's the challenge the Tigers face right now um, organizationally is, is finding those guys and, you know, continuing to hopefully draft better and, you know, and having a, a stockpile of young talent um, at the A-ball level so that a year or two from now, hopefully when this team looks, you know, something like a rough contender they, they've got you know enough pieces where they can still trade for the things that they need without completely decimating the minor league system again and leaving them in the shape they were in you know two or three years ago where there were like two or three legitimate prospects in the entire damn system um, whereas now you know depending on what you want to call legitimate it's probably more like 10 to 13 um, players that you know should have some kind of a major league future and you know enough guys who you know could very well be good so <clears throat> Yeah, that's about uh, that's about the the wrap of it as far as like the top guys go. Um, you know, Derek Hill I think has has swung the bat really well. Jose Azucar, uh, both of those guys can play center field. Both of them are hitting the hell out of the ball for Erie. Um, Derek's shown more power to me this year, and is hitting the ball really hard even when he's making outs. Um, I think he was batting like close to 400 as 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 recently as a couple weeks ago. Um, Jose Azucar is still hitting pretty close to, to 400. Um, Derek Hill's seen a lot more Adam balls um, over the past week that I've seen, um, but still hitting the ball hard, and that that's all that counts. Um, and that's why you know scouting the stat line, you know, really doesn't do the job um, to any reasonable degree when you're talking about minor league players. Um, you've got to watch the kind of contact they're making. Um, there are guys who will rack up doubles, but they'll largely be the result of hitting ground balls through you know bad infielders. Um, down the lines, um, you know, the, the quality of defense, the quality of positioning, um, even the quality of the field and the kind of bounces that, that defenders have to put up with um, is, is just different. So you really do need to watch the quality of the contact. And that's why, you know, paying attention to people who scout, like, um, you know, James Chipman, um, who writes for 24-7 Sports, you know, is a really good guy to follow on Twitter for that kind of thing. Um, he's got a very good eye. He's experienced. Um, Jason Woodell, um, another another really good follow who doesn't necessarily focus on the Tigers, um, but has a really good bead on you know the minor leagues in general and produces really good reports. Um, I'm not sure if he's writing anywhere specific right now. Um, he was with Pro Prospects Live, but he's another good guy to follow. Um, so you know you you like Derek Hill and you like Jose Azucar's start. You need to see those guys do it um, do it more and do it for longer. Um, Isaac Paredes hasn't really been very hot so far, um, but. Again, like, you know, I, I just don't even worry about Isaac Prades, honestly. Like, he almost looks bored to me at, at Erie. Um, you know, hitting the ball hard, um, not striking out very much, you know, showing a good eye. And maybe rolling over on a few more balls than you'd like to see so far and not driving the ball um, up the gaps and in the air as well as we saw last year. But I'm not terribly concerned that that's going to come around. I think it will. And he also, you know, continues to look more athletic to me than I think a lot of the the national scouting reports seem to seem to think. Um, you know, we had the Fangraphs, um, you know, Tigers list. You know, th there was a note in there about a National League scout telling either Eric or Kylie, 
you know, that they weren't, they were surprised that we weren't trying Isaac Paredes as a catcher because he can't move and all he's really got is an arm. Um, I don't know what these people are watching, honestly. Um, I don't, I really don't know. Isaac Paredes moves just fine, you know? Yeah, he's built. He's, um, you know, he's not a slender, quick shortstop the way, you know, you would, you would like to see for a guy that you were hoping to put at the six and, you know, and have him stick there for a long time. Um, I still think Paredes is probably best used as a third baseman. Um, possibly he can play second base as well, but you know, he's got a, a pretty good first step. He's got good hands and he's got a good arm. Um, he just doesn't have the range, um, to go deep in the hole for balls the way you need at shortstop. But you know, the, the notion that like he can't move and <laughs> I, I don't, I just, sometimes you just, you just don't understand like what these, what the national guys are seeing. Um, and you know that they don't see these players and these teams very often and maybe they caught him on a bad day. I really, I really can't explain it any other way. Um, some of the, the lackluster reports um, that have come through on, on Paredes defensively. Um, I think if you put him at third base, he's going to be just fine and will more than likely hit you know better than what we're seeing from Jamer Candelario. Although Candelario, since moving to the leadoff spot, has, has done a nice job. And uh, I continue to have some faith in, in Jamer because he's got a good eye. He's got a nice swing. Um, he's very professional at bats out there. And... You know, he's just got a couple flaws. You know, that breaking ball down and in, um, he's, he's got to learn to deal with that. Um, you know, they're getting him there and the fastball up. But, um, you know, he's shown some signs of turning that around. And so we will hope that continues. But overall, you know, you look through the Tigers' top ten, I feel really good. Um, I feel really pretty darn good about um, a, lot of, a lot of the arms especially. But also about a couple of the position players. Like, it seems to me like we've got three or four starters um, who I feel pretty good about. And the issue is just that I don't really see any of them being, like, a major, like, star-caliber bat. And, you know, the Tigers kind of kind of worked that stars and scrubs model in the lineup for years. Um, there was a time when it was almost all stars, and that, that worked. <laughs> but, um, you know having balance throughout your lineup and putting a good defender on the field can be enough. We saw that with the Royals. Um, if you pitch well enough and you defend and you don't have any holes in the lineup, obvious holes in the lineup and the Royals honestly had plenty of holes in the lineup. Like the whole damn thing is just freakish. Anybody. I mean, honestly go back and analyze the, the Royals numbers from 2015. The whole thing is silly, but, um, but you know, you can put that, that kind of roster together where you've just got a deep, you know, a deep lineup of guys who are all average or a little bit above average hitters, um, the Tigers have more speed than they've had in a long time. And yes, Jacoby Jones probably isn't going to work out. Yes, Nick Castellanos is going away. Um, I don't know where the Tigers are going to find some of these answers. But um, but when you look at who they actually do have coming, those guys I feel good about. Um, it's, just a, it's just a fact that you know they're going to have to find another really good position player or two somewhere and do it quick enough that we're not at a point where, you know, Joe Jimenez and Jamer Candelario aren't already like in, deep into arbitration by the time this team comes around, because then you're looking at a whole nother cycle of a, of a couple of years before, you know, the, you know, they get to a point where they've got like a whole young cost controlled team um, up. That, that's just a very, very hard thing to do. Like the Padres are, are, you know, probably the best farm system by my count in, in the major leagues. Um, you can take the Rays, um, you can take the Braves if you want to. Um, but even the Padres, you know, went and signed Manny Machado. Um, they're bringing in, you know, some auxiliary talent. You know, they, they signed Eric Hosmer the year prior. Um, you know, they brought in Ian Kinsler as a stopgap. They might do a little bit of something like that again next year. Um, they may be looking to trade for a starting pitcher, or maybe they'll sign Dallas Keuchel. Um, they're very close, but the idea that the Tigers are going to develop enough positional talent to be able to pair that with the timetable that... Uh, Manning and Mize are on. Uh, I just, I just don't see it. Um, I would really like to see the Tigers commit to bringing most of these guys up early next year, spend a little money this offseason on a bat, a player that can play some first base and DH for you. And we don't really have an outfielder, honestly. After Daz Cameron, um, you know Parker Meadows is a long way away. Um, you know Derek Hill or Jose Azucar may continue to hit all this season and change the equation, but right now. You know, you're looking at a right field next year of, like, Victor Reyes because the Tigers are infatuated with this guy for no particular reason that anyone who knows the game can really uh, can really see. And, you know, Jake Robson, who's, you know, a decent hitter, can probably play good defense in right field for you. You know, Danny Woodrow, sort of the same thing. Um, those guys have some speed, um, not a whole lot of power. 
not a whole lot of bat there. Um, but those guys aren't, you know, aren't going to be starting caliber players. And so, I don't know, there's another option there for the Tigers to maybe go sign an outfielder um, who can who can hit and add some add some potency to the lineup. Um, but, you know, there is there just isn't a ton of free agency either. I don't know. Maybe they're going to go sign Yasiel Puig and let, let the Castellanos go. Um, that would excite me. Um, we'd have a lot of fun writing about Yasiel Puig, but I don't expect that to happen. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where we're at, you know. You can watch the Detroit Tigers on on the field, you know, every couple days. They're going to put together a game where you're just, you know, you're wincing, you're turning off your TV. Um, You know, our recaps turn surreal or just infuriated um, in some of those games. But then, you know, in the other days, when Matt Boyd is pitching, when Spencer Turnbull or Daniel Norris is pitching, you know, this, this looks much more like a unit that is, you know, rounding into shape to where you can start building from that. Um... It's just a question of, you know, what, what they're going to do with Boyd. And, you know, apparently Nick Castellanos is gone. And so you've got some areas where you may actually be getting worse um, while you're getting better in, in the farm system. And, you know, if you can get enough in trade for some of those guys, that can work. But I don't think any of us are real confident on that happening. So we'll see how things play out from there. But, um, you know, just a little bit over one month into the season. You know, this is kind of what we expected, guys. Like, you know, the Tigers are going to look terrible sometimes. Other times they're going to look like a very competent team with a, a decent back end of the bullpen who can get the job done for you. So let's just try to hang in there. Um, we'll see Kristen Stewart back in the lineup this week. Um, that should add a little bit more depth to the lineup. Um, maybe that will make Miguel Cabrera happy because um, he'll have a, a real he-man behind him to hit. And, you know, and then, you know, at that point to start demanding home runs for Miguel Cabrera, because apparently that's all it takes, right? Just, you just, he just needs a better guy hitting behind him. It's not about putting guys in front of him, apparently, and having people on base. Um, it's the guy behind him. Uh, anyway, that's going to be about, that's going to about do it for this week. Um, so we will wrap up this, this edition of the BYB Weekend Podcast. And Ashley McLennan and I will get back at you guys on Wednesday. Um, We'll record a new version of the regular BYB podcast on Tuesday night. And now that we're kind of at the point in the season where there's enough plate appearances, um, there's enough innings thrown where we can actually start kind of reasonably analyzing some of these players' numbers without um, just living in small sample size hell, um, you'll start to see a lot more analysis starting to kick in. And our draft coverage is ramping up as well. Jay Markle, our draft expert and managing editor, Robert Jackie, are already cranking out the draft profiles. Um, it continues to look like Riley Green um, to a decent amount, but there's still time to go. And so you can look for that content coming as well. And on Monday, you can also look for my Alex Fiedo article in which there will be some GIFs, um, which hopefully will make it easier to understand what I'm talking about because describing pitching mechanics um, without kind of using scouting terminology to a point that many listeners probably will be annoyed at and not know what the hell I'm talking about in the first place um, will be a little bit easier with some video to kind of back it up. So look for that, and we will talk to you you all later this week. Thanks for joining me. Have a good night.